Welcome to the Emily Osmond Show, your place to learn how to market yourself online, find your tribe and grow a business doing the work you love on your terms. As a blogger, presenter and marketing mentor, I understand the ups and downs that come with putting ourselves out there and running our own show. This podcast is here to take you behind the scenes and share the strategies to help you succeed. So let's get into the show. If you don't yet know the powerhouse I'm interviewing today, allow me to acquaint you. This is a woman who started her blog as a hobby in 2011 and now runs one of Australia's leading interiors platforms, receiving 100,000 unique visitors on her site each month. This blog has been her full-time business for eight years now, and over that time, she's been featured in multiple places, A Current Affair, Sky News, Real Living, Belle, and so many more. She's down to earth, a fellow Brit, and I wish I had my accent still, a mum to two young sons, and is currently renovating her Sydney home with husband, Damien. Who is this woman, and what exactly is her blog? Well, Allow me to introduce you to the brilliant Jen Bishop of theinteriorsaddict.com. Now, I don't think Jen would remember this, but we did email in 2014. I addressed my email to her assistant at the time and pitched one of my clients to be featured on her blog. And I was awaiting the response. It came through and Jen, the Jen Bishop, wrote back to me and I was starstruck. I carefully crafted my response to the sound of my internal monologue. Sound cool, Emily. Don't fangirl. Just be professional here. But be friendly. Is this, oh, is this too friendly? Okay, just send. So you can imagine how it feels to have connected with Jen Bishop again in recent times. Jen and I were both speakers at the Australian Gift and Homewares Association Melbourne Gift Fair in August last year, 2019. But somehow Jen flew home as I was arriving and we didn't quite cross paths. So we caught up in Sydney last year and I knew I wanted to have Jen on the show. And excitingly, Jen and I are both speaking again at the Australian Gift and Homewares Association Sydney Gift Fair, which is really soon now on February 21st to 24th at the Sydney Showground at Sydney Olympic Park. Jen is running, which sounds incredible and I'm going to have to go, running a masterclass about getting your brand in the media. And I'm running two Instagram masterclasses, one for beginners and one for advanced, along with hosting a panel discussion called The business of design and I'm very excited because I have a couple of my own students from my membership the modern marketing collective who are going to be featured on this panel so if you haven't been to the fair before it's incredible it's perfect for retailers stylists decorators corporate buyers designers event planners and there are thousands of products and big brands covering homewares gifts fashion jewelry accessories outdoor living hospitality kids toys and so much so if you're pretty mad about design and retail like me and jen put the 21st to 24th of february in your diary and come along and join us at this year's agha sydney gift fair 2020 go to agha.com.au to register for free and also be sure to check out the masterclass schedule. We would love to see you at our sessions. Now let's get into the show. 
Jen, welcome to the show, first of all. Thank you so much for having me, Emily. It's great to be here. Absolute pleasure. And I'm very excited to actually have this opportunity to chat with you, Jen. We've kind of crossed paths here and there, and I'm excited to dig into what businesses look like for you and also the change in terms of like the blogging industry as well over the years. So a big, big welcome to you, first of all. Thank you. Now, for those that perhaps haven't heard of Jen Bishop, could you tell us just a little bit about what it is that you do now? I guess I've basically been what I tend to just call a full-time blogger for seven years now, actually. So yeah, that's been my job, running my blog, which is called Interiors Addict. And it's basically all about homewares and interior design for the everyday Australian. Awesome. And can I ask, when you say that to people, I'm sure some people get it, but what's kind of the, what's the other responses you get when you say, oh, I'm a full-time blogger? They're like, oh, that's cute. I know. (laughs) And I think this is why I say full-time because it's kind of trying to make the point that this is my job. It's not just a hobby. And, you know, lots of blogs are hobbies and there's nothing wrong with that. The next question is always, so how do you make money? Yes. Yes. (laughs) Because, you know, which is fair enough question as well. But it is, that is the one thing people always want to work out because they think, well, okay, if you've been doing this for this many years as a job, you know, you have a mortgage in Sydney, you must be doing okay. How do you make money? (laughs) It's funny because when I tell some people about, you know, I work for myself, got my own business and they're like, oh, I've been doing it for long. And I'm like, oh, you know, coming up to five years. And it's the same thing. Sometimes they're like, oh, so it's going all right then? You don't just have like some rich boyfriend or husband yeah. who's, you know, <laughs> bankrolling? No. <laughs> oh, so it's good, Jen. So, and I reckon we will get into how do you make money because that'd be interesting. But I'd love to hear where the blog started and why. So um, the blog actually started in 2011. To cut a long story short, I rocked up in Australia from the UK in 2008, age of 26. I'd had a career in journalism for eight years in the UK, mostly in newspapers. Moved to Australia, landed a good job straight off. I was very lucky as um, editor of a small business magazine called Dynamic Business. It doesn't exist anymore. I ended up being there for five years and It was not always the most exciting of jobs. I had a great team and I loved managing them. And I really loved when I got to interview um, entrepreneurs for sort of the cover stories. And I was always so excited to learn about their businesses and so impressed, but never, ever thought myself that I could become a business owner. It was just not in my head. And then uh, basically started my blog one weekend in the Easter break. My husband, Damien, likes to say that it was his idea, apparently. I don't really remember, but apparently it was Damien's idea. And um, started my blog just really as somewhere for me to collect all these things I was finding on Pinterest. And, you know, Pinterest wasn't even big then. My own little projects, and so I wasn't boring everyone by sharing it on Facebook, you know, just to have its own little place on the internet. And it was never intended for anyone else to really look at it. Still not quite sure how this happened, you know, this 100,000 readers a month thing, still not quite sure. But, um, you know, that's how it started. It was on Tumblr and um, it was very much just a hobby. So in terms of how it became a business, people had started to ask if they could advertise after about a year or so probably um, and I just had no idea. And that's an interesting point because I have had people say to me because of my blog as well, gettingmyhome.com, they asked me about blogging and I'm like, you kind of can't do it 
for money at the start anyway because you know you've got to build it up and I think I'm so glad I never started it as you know it really was that passion project it it never was started to be a business and um in fact it's kind of laughable now because some people were asking to advertise and eventually I did sort of move it from Tumblr to WordPress which enabled me to to be able to take some money but at the time I was actually on a visa on a business like a work-sponsored visa I couldn't earn it my own income from outside of my sponsor which was my employer at the magazine so I started saying to people well if you make a donation to the cancer council and send me the receipt then I I will let you have an ad on my blog and it was yeah but in terms of how it became a business my hand was was forced really like I'm a very very risk averse person by nature and I did have you know these entrepreneurs I was interviewing they'd say you know you could make a business out of this I was like (laughs) yeah anyway um, that's crazy I'm not leaving my job and then uh, again a long story short I I ended up being made redundant because you know print magazines are are struggling and I got made redundant and that was the point at which I thought do you know what this is the time to give it a go I had a bit of a payout and I decided to give myself six months if I could make it happen in six months, fantastic. Probably didn't really believe it was going to happen. And if I didn't, I was just find another job. So that was in 2013. Wow. What was kind of your plan for those six months? Were you going to change some of the things you were doing in terms of maybe get more active in terms of reaching out to different businesses? Yeah, I think those six months, I went hard. You know, I didn't have kids back at that point. I didn't have a mortgage. I had a lot more free time. You know, I went to every single thing I was invited to. I networked hard and I also knew that there was no way in six months I was going to comfortably make the same money I was making as an employee. So I was doing things like um, social media consults for small businesses. I was doing copywriting and I was doing some freelance um, journalism and having all these fingers in pies and it was all very hectic. But I just kind of had to spread the risk by doing all these things while I built up the business and I guess professionalized my blog into something that I could actually ask people to spend money on because I had all the the systems and everything set up. Did you find, Jen, that you were having more companies reaching out to you in in those first kind of six months or was it all really you reaching out to different companies to have them basically buy space on your blog? And was that the only thing that you were selling through your blog at that stage? The kind of, was it ad placement? Yes. So back in 2013, the way that blogs or certainly my blog was making money, was with advertising, with display ads. So, yeah, people wanted to buy an ad for three months or something like that. And I guess with a a magazine publisher background, I had a bit of, you know, that was quite normal to me and I knew how that worked. And so I was quite used to talking to advertising agencies and marketing managers and things like that. So, yeah, that was how money was being made then. And in terms of, I I wasn't really reaching out to clients as such. All my reaching out was reaching out to people to interview and was all about content and good content and, um, you know, interviewing really big names, which came naturally to me as a journalist to approach people and ask to interview them. And funny, I think everyone likes a bit of PR, so not many not sure anyone said no to be honest and I guess the more you have these big names the more they talk about you to other people your name gets out there and then I guess organically people want to have their brand sitting alongside that so 
I found that more people were coming to me and I could go back to those people who'd wanted to partner with me in the past and say, hey, we can do this now. <laughs> so I've got it they set were up. warm leads. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, pretty much. I love that. I love that you focused on um, more of the content side and then you knew from that, or I guess you hoped and it, and it worked, that yeah. then the advertisements, the sponsorship started coming in. And then what's changed? So that was back in 2013 or so. How has business changed for you and the landscape of blogging and and all of this and social media? What have you kind of seen in in the sense of your business and, and the changes that perhaps you've had to make? What's that looked like? A lot of things have changed over the years. And I think, you know, an important part about, you know, longevity in business is being nimble and flexible and always being willing to change. And I think when your job is blogger, you spend a lot of time thinking, what if this bubble bursts next week? Is this still going to be a viable business next week? Because it doesn't sound like a real job. Um, let's face it. And so um, I guess I was always looking at what's the next thing? What are people wanting to do? What are brands wanting to do? And always moving with that. And I guess uh, the biggest change in terms of how I make my money now, I used to sell advertising space. They were great days, to be honest. You know, you, you you wrote about whatever you wanted to write about and people booked their ads. And, you know, obviously it wasn't like you just sat back and took the ad. You were still making the content because you have to have good content for people to see the ads, for the advertisers to get a good result and to come back. But these days people want to pay for content rather than ads. So they want to do sponsored blog posts, sponsored Instagram posts. They want me to be a brand ambassador. So it's a lot uh, less passive, but in some ways it's really tapping into what I'm good at as a former journalist, which is creating content. So for me, that comes very naturally. Have you had any challenges with it, with the idea of, I don't know, sponsored content or being the face of or ambassadors for different brands? Have there been any, I don't know, challenges or tensions or anything like that that you've experienced along the way from this kind of shift? Not really, but I think that's because I will only ever put my brand, which is very much me personally, to a brand I genuinely love and believe in and have tried myself. You know, if it's, you know, I can't put my name to some furniture that's cheap and going to break in a couple of months because it's, you know, it's no good. So I guess I, I prefer to have these sort of longer term relationships with brands and we really have like a more authentic partnership you don't tend to find that people that aren't a good fit that they don't tend to approach you in the first place so it's not like I'm sort of saying oh that's a bad fit I don't really want to do that there was one time I got offered quite a bit of money to advertise I can't remember the exact details but it was around alcohol and it wasn't sort of me being on my high horse and saying oh alcohol's bad and you know I'd like a glass of wine as much as the next person but I just felt like it wasn't a good fit and that if I, as an interiors blogger, started taking money to talk about alcohol, I was going to look a bit of a sellout and it wasn't really relevant. And so I said no to that. But I haven't had that many approaches from things where I thought it wasn't a good fit, which is good because there would be some awkward conversations. And it's, it's good. And it sounds like through your content and through your own brand, you're kind of filtering out perhaps and, and being pretty clear about who you align with. How have you found that... Instagram particularly because it is such a major platform and in terms of the shift between content and how I guess there's a lot of people that would be seen as bloggers in a certain sense but their blog space is more on Instagram. 
For sure. Um, it's interesting because a lot of times these days I get invited to media events where I sit with the, the kind of homes and gardens kind of magazines and I feel I have a lot in common with them. And, and then when I get invited to like a blogger event, I do sometimes feel a bit like a fish out of water because deep down I'm a journalist. I'm just doing it on my own terms, my own publication. It happens to be online. And then I go to these blogger events and they're influencers now, you know, which is a bit of a, can be a bit of a dirty word. Um, a lot of them don't have a blog, you know, they do everything on Instagram and I don't really have any issues with it obviously some brands have great results with working with people that just have these multi-million followers and um, but personally I think for me I, I would always sell the fact that having the blog and the social media is you know the blog is where you're always going to get that more sort of in-depth content and where you can share a bit more it's good to be able to you know have a couple of touch points but yeah it certainly has changed in that respect and it's also changed in that there was quite a few competitors when I started out and a lot of them have now dropped off um, I do struggle now to sort of say who my competitors are so I think there's less of us out there um, which is probably a good thing <laughs> It's interesting even for anyone to kind of go back to maybe when they started their business or in the earlier days and look at who they kind of looked up to or who they saw as being equal to them and then actually go back and see where they are now because it's something I've noticed too even um podcasts that I used to subscribe to and so many have stopped now and yeah it's kind of interesting isn't it and you don't really notice along the way and then when you look back you think oh yeah where did they go and yeah I mean for me I've always had um big respect for the design files as a fellow Australian blog and obviously that's still a site which is doing incredibly well so you know it's great for me to know that I'm still going and I'm still you know established blog alongside sites like that which are so good and have had such longevity as well. And so Jen what would be talking about longevity what would you say have been some of, I guess, the lessons that you've learned, some of the wins perhaps or things that you're pretty happy with in terms of what you what's happened in your business because then I'm going to ask you what some of the lessons have been. <laughs> Something I'm immensely proud of was um, a few years ago, I ghost wrote Greg Natale's first book. He's oh my extreme... gosh, Jen. Yes. I didn't know yes. that. He's very famous. <laughs> so he, he is a, an amazing um, Australian interior designer. Many people would say, you know, the best. And so, yeah, to be approached to write his first book with him was such an honour and also a really great learning experience. I'd never written a book before. So that was amazing. Really, for me, the biggest wins are and sometimes, I, you know, I still pinch myself to be working with brands that I love and have loved for years, like Pottery Barn, like West Elm. You know, I love these brands. I've loved these brands for so long, for before they were in this country. And to be working with those sort of names is amazing. And, you know, I get lots of lovely opportunities in this job to do things like, you know, go to the, I've been to the Milan Furniture Fair. I've been a couple of years ago, I was lucky enough to go on a media trip to the Hamptons. You oh, know, my just, gosh, the dream. Of, I, it, it really was. Um, it was the first time I'd left my then one child for longer than a night but you can't say no to the Hamptons. Gosh, no. Interiors blogger. Just can't. So, you know, I get to do a lot of very exciting things like that. You know, some parts of this job are as glamorous as they sound and a lot of them are not. But, you know, some of them really are. So for those, I'm very grateful. Pretty awesome. They're definitely the highlights, aren't they? It's like, wow, that travel and, and those types of things. And have you had kind of any periods that have been stressful or when you have had to kind of assess and adapt or, or anything that perhaps hasn't really 
go on to plan along the way? I'm constantly adapting and I think almost from a paranoia like I mentioned earlier (laughs) when does this stop being a job you know so there's not been any major sort of challenges I mean this is nothing new and it's certainly nothing new amongst a female business owners but I have suffered hugely from imposter syndrome in the past and I still do to a much lesser extent and that's because I am In this industry of interior design, you know, I get asked to be a spokesperson, I get, you know, coverage in the media, but I I am not an interior designer. I do not have any interior design qualifications and often people actually assume that I do, that I'm a stylist by background and I'm not. So I think because of that, because I have no design qualifications, yet I am sort of known in the industry, it really doesn't help with imposter syndrome. (laughs) But at the end of the day, I think I've had to turn that around and say to myself, look, Jen, no, you're not an interior designer, but your job is to report on what other people are doing, you know, like a journalist, to help people by not only sort of, I guess, highlighting the work of people in the industry, but sharing that with the everyday person that wants to know about it. So, you know, I have got a a valid role here to play in helping highlight those businesses and helping that end consumer that wants to learn about how to you know have a beautiful home so but it it takes work and it was something that was very difficult in the early days. It's so interesting and I think it's very common and I've definitely had that too and it was only this week I was having a discussion with someone else that yeah she was saying she thinks she's struggling from imposter syndrome so have you found for you just to dig into that that um it was something you you said it kind of takes ongoing work is it something that you kind of just have to keep reminding yourself and almost kind of being really practical having some truths that you're like no okay is this just what I'm telling myself or is are these the facts here that I can come back to to be honest you know is it's telling yourself things like that that um you know I'm that in-between person between those designers and the people that want to know about what they're doing and if a hundred thousand people a month want to read what I'm writing there's a place for that you know it's it's obviously a, a need for that and that's okay that I'm not the interior designer and actually it's quite good that I'm a more neutral third party but yeah and it's also just about saying to yourself oh for goodness sake don't do this because you tell all your female friends and business owning friends whether or not they own business or not you are the first person to tell them to get over that and you do have something to say and you are you know your stuff is valuable so you know it's about telling yourself the same things (laughs) practicing what I preach. Absolutely, isn't it? And it's, yeah, like I said, I think it is something that's that can be pretty common and can be quite debilitating at times too when hold people back. What I often say is that you only have to be a couple of steps ahead of someone else. You don't have to be, you don't have to know everything or or anything like that. And and in my kind of space, in the teaching space, sometimes it's just giving value through objective feedback to someone else because that's so valuable as well. You don't have to be this big expert or anything. And I think as well, like you said, Jen, looking at, well, hang on a minute, I do have this many people who are subscribed so I think as well yeah looking looking at some of the positives and some of the wins and some of the kind of the the successes or the the feedback and that type of thing when you're like no hang on this is helping people or this is yeah absolutely sometimes it's good as well to have a a sounding board and I think one of the things I've learned in business is that it's great to have a mentor or a you know whether that's a sort of officially a mentor in my case I try to every quarter at least meet with um, 
someone who I've met through business who's now one of my best friends who also owns a business and we sort of just use each other as a sounding board and we talk about what we're thinking about doing and I always come out of those meetups feeling so inspired just from saying things out loud and giving it the time of day to actually you know you're so busy working in the business that you take that time out to work on the business someone else gives you some feedback it's just amazing you know how motivated you feel after doing that oh absolutely and it's sometimes like oh that's so obvious why didn't I think why of that? Didn't I, yes and why <laughs> didn't I do that before and I think in terms of lessons here's an, there's another one you know it's just do things before they're perfect because they rarely are perfect before you start you have to start to start refining to work out exactly what it is that you want to do so there's been a lot of times where I've looked back and thought, oh, why didn't you do that sooner? Oh, me too. And I think it's that whole thing, like clarity comes from action. It doesn't come from just thinking and I get stuck in the thinking. No, you're so right. That's so true. So Jen, what's ahead for you? What are you working on? What's kind of next for Interiors Addict? Well, I'm going to be working with you, Emily, in your scalable program, which is very exciting. It is very exciting. Yeah, because that's something I want to do this year is to work on an um, online membership. And and going back to what I just said, you know, I'm not 100% clear on exactly what that offering is yet, but that's the whole point. So I'm looking forward to getting stuck in. Stay tuned, everyone. Yeah, Yeah. I think it's going to be pretty awesome. Another extension of the Interiors Attic brand. Um, Exactly. And um, yeah, you know, I feel that it's a good time to sort of add something else to the business like that we'll have to do a recap episode (laughs) once it's all up exactly and then in February we've got the Sydney gift fair that you and I are both running some workshops at so I'm really looking forward to that and I'm going to be doing a workshop on branding for small business and and sharing some of my insights on how they can get into the media having been you know the media in the traditional and the more blogging sense of sort of giving people some tips on how they can get their stuff on the pages of magazines and I think I'm going to come to that session because I think it'll be so helpful well I'll come to yours (laughs) (laughs) so Jen just final question for you and I feel like we've kind of covered a few of these things but I'm sure you've got more insights if you were to look back now and there was something that you would tell your pre-business self what would that be probably to outsource more and get more help from a lot earlier on basically I waited a bit too long before I employed my first person and was running ragged behind the scenes well mind you I still am frequently (laughs) behind the scenes a hot mess but um, back in the, the earlier days I really wish that I had spent a bit more money on getting help but I think it's a scary thing to do for the first time but as soon as I did it I was like oh my god and now I am so into outsourcing you know all those things that I'm not good at money should be spent on other people doing them especially as a you know time stretched working mom of two you know more than ever I'm very into outsourcing. Oh, what a good note to finish on. I think um, that's going to be very helpful because, uh, yeah, it's something that I get asked a lot too in terms of when is it the right time to outsource. So you would say maybe do it almost before you feel comfortable to do it? Yeah, probably, to be honest. For me, I started off employing someone half a day a week and as soon as I started it, I soon, you know, beforehand I was like, oh, I don't know, what would I give them to do? As soon as I had someone, 
all the things became clear and then it, um, you know, became a lot. And these days I don't think twice because I think the best, absolute best money I spend in my business is on other people. Mm, Because they're the experts and they can do it so much more efficiently and free us up to do the things that only we can do. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Jen, thank you so much for chatting with me. Oh, I've enjoyed it. Thank you. It's a bit of a trip down memory lane. And um, tell everyone where they can find you, Jen. They can find my blog at theinteriorsaddict.com and you can find me on Instagram at interiorsaddict. Perfect. Well, I look forward to seeing you in Sydney, Jen. And you. See you soon, Emily. See ya. Thank you for listening to The Emily Osmond Show, brought to you by my Instagram freebies, which you'll find at emilyosmond.com forward slash free. So please take a few seconds to leave me a review, subscribe so that you don't miss an episode, and be sure to take a screenshot of this podcast, upload it to your social media, and tag me at Emily Osmond so I can give you a shout out too. Until next time, remember connection over perfection. You've got this and we'll speak soon.